Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Will I? Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show all about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, and you can now watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays. And uh, I'm going to go off script for a little bit and say on Friday, we have a special guest joining us. So uh, just getting you aware that we'll have former Man United goalkeeper and Premier League winner Mark Bosnich on the show to talk all about current Manchester United, the pitfalls, the positives, all of this kind of stuff. We'll we'll have a hopefully a full show with Mark uh, and we'll talk about United looking forward looking backwards maybe a bit on his career too Um, but remember head over to our brand new YouTube channel hit the like button subscribe and join the community we're at the promised land podcast or Manchester United podcast on YouTube join the community the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on audio Uh, Rob how are you doing not bad. Obviously, here we are recording our first show after a Manchester United victory. So we've talked a lot in recent weeks about downtimes, both emotionally and with results. But we can talk about something positive today, Scott, because Man United won a football match that they might have lost at one point. Uh, and obviously, it was a bit of a, a roller coaster ride during the game. Just another reminder, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can find us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promised Land MU. On today's show, we will talk about Leeds. Uh, I know we're a couple of days removed from that game now, but it was a real throwback with the water on the pitch and the mud and Scott McTominay, like a bull in a china shop in a derby. He <laughs> definitely knew what that one meant. If, if, there's, if there's any fans who have kind of grown up without Leeds in the Premier League, and you haven't really had that reminder of what this game is. Well, that was it. 
I think. <laughs> well, that's it. Like you and me are a bit older, aren't we, Scott? And we remember the days of sliding through the mud, you know, because it hasn't rained in 30 years, um, <laughs> you know, going on a football pitch. When you take out someone from like eight yards away and you do an Aaron Wambasaka and slide into the stands, uh, it felt a little bit like that. And I think Scotty was enjoying himself, but maybe enjoying himself a little bit too much. I think he probably should have <laughs> had three yellow cards in the game. Maybe a little bit. But um, yeah, it was also a day for knee slides as well in celebrations. I think Anthony Alanga's at the end. I think he might have just done it better than everybody else having seen uh other people try. I think Harry Maguire tried it as well, but yeah. Langer might have just extended his a little bit more. We'll talk about also on today's show United's form because somewhat surprisingly, United are among the form teams in the league at the moment uh, <laughs> since Ralph Ranić took over. Despite all the doom and gloom, I know United have had a relatively simple run, and they're, they're approaching a run of games now with City away, Liverpool away, Atletico Madrid away uh, in the Champions League tomorrow. But we're talking league form here. It, things will get tougher, but things are starting to pick up a little bit. Players like Jaden Sancho, Paul Pogba, Bruno Fernandes are starting to find their form again. Cristiano Ronaldo, we'll talk about him as well, perhaps a little bit today. We'll also talk about, we can't go an episode without talking about the manager, the next manager. The latest is that Real Madrid might rival Man United for Mauricio Pochettino. My kind of uh, thought process on Poch is actually starting to change uh, I, <laughs> well, I'll save it for later, Rob. Um, we'll also talk about Atletico Madrid away and how important this game is because United are not going to win a trophy this season unless they win the Champions League. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll bro- I know we broached that topic in the last few weeks, Rob. Uh, we'll we'll do it again. But Atletico Madrid are not in great form themselves, so let's have a let's wait and see. Wanda Metro- Metropolitano is a tough place to go, but can United get a result there and take it back to Old Trafford for the reverse leg? We'll see. Let's let's start, Rob, with Leeds because I went into this game thinking this is going to be a tricky one. I know that Leeds, United have, in their two home games with Leeds uh, in the last two seasons, they scored 11 goals against them. <laughs> uh, and last year's game at Ellen Road was a nil-nil draw, but I wasn't really sure. I'm, I, I kind of have that feeling of nerves like Leeds can, you know, they pulled off a few shock results since they've come back to the Prem. Uh, they beat City away, this kind of stuff. So I was never really sure. And United have this propensity to, you know, get into a winning position and then, uh-oh, wait, it's gone. And then we find in this Leeds game that two goals in two minutes go in and then you're like, oh, wow, United could end up losing this game. But they reacted. So what did you make of it overall? What, what, what encouraged you the most? I think it was very Leeds United, first and foremost. It's kind of Bielsa 101, isn't it? Uh, Someone tweeted me after the game immediately and said, Bielsa is a fraud. And what they meant off the back of that is that for this generational manager, who obviously is the icon uh, of a certain style of football, Pep Guardiola's favourite manager, etc., 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 his teams can't defend. So I was pleased with that as a Man United fan because that opened the door for United. I think overall with the with the game, United played a slightly different system. Obviously, had to with the weather. It wasn't full on counter pressing, but there was plenty of that in the second half, which helped United get the get the victory. But it was just nice to see that United, when they faced adversity in the second half of a match, which they've seen in recent weeks, that they actually rose to the challenge. Now, I think part of that was Leeds' own dysfunction at the back and allowing Manchester United to do what they wanted to do. But it was good that they actually did it because they haven't. You know, they, they had a game against Middlesbrough recently where, you know, they had a million shots on goal and got knocked out of the cup at home. So 
they're the things that worry you when they happen. You think, oh, we don't want these bad habits to re repeat at some point. What we've seen with Man United, I think, is that there in that Leeds game, they rose to that challenge, they got over the line, and then you can you kind of have that little bit of calm water, can't you, Scott? Like so, from the game to like now, there's not really been too much talk about dysfunction at Man United. Not too much talk about people in the dressing room being upset. Why? Because if you win a football match, it's very difficult for the media and for your detractors to come and have a go at you. Absolutely. And it did seem at the end of the game, you saw Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes embrace about two flicks that they put over defenders. Uh, Paul Pogba had Adam Forshaw on toast for most of that game, didn't he? Before he, yeah. got, before he got substituted. We'll talk about Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes in a little bit. But, you know, it was really encouraging to see that United actually did end up reacting to a potential capitulation. We saw it happen when United were tuning up at Villa a few weeks ago. Like I look at Leeds and I think, yeah, you can pro they will give you goals, maybe, maybe more so than Villa. But uh, you know, in a derby with in that mud and rain where the ball was kind of holding up, every player looked like they were running through sand at times because they just they were trying their best to sprint, but it just it didn't really seem that they were going that fast because of the surface water and that kind of stuff. To actually pull back, it might be good for the mentality and morale moving forward, do you think? Yeah, totally. And I think Ranjik touched on that after the game. He said, you know, the best way to answer all the newspaper articles about how there's this kind of disharmony behind the scenes, they don't like playing for Ranjik, they don't like the system, they don't like each other. The best way to show that is in a football match where you're against adversity, you have to do something different to win at a place like Leeds United. Now, as I said, we just talked about how bad Leeds are defensively, but you've got to still go there and do the job. So four goals in a match like that is doing the job with terrible weather where you've got, you've got to try something different. You can't play slick football through that. You have to get in the trenches and start fighting. And they did, all of them, you know, and I think this is the whole thing. It's not, it wasn't the case that just one or two players pulled them through. I think it was a battling performance all the way for the full 90 minutes. And good that Man United didn't run out of steam with 10, 15, 20 minutes to go because that's something that we have seen repeatedly and we do not want to see that moving forward. Do you think they actually didn't or did Leeds run out of steam more than United? I think it was more, I think it was a tactical uh, adjustment by Ranić. So where we've seen United go out from the off and counter press and do a lot of the hard work early, they just kind of, you know, smoothed it out over a longer period. And the substitutes were really important with that. And I think that's how it's going to be moving forward. I think I think you need to bring energy off your bench to supplement. So obviously Fred and Alanga come on. They're there to do the physical work. But of course, you saw what they gave at the top end of the pitch. They're going to give you a little bit extra in the final third as well. Um, and obviously two really good goals. You know, I think when you look at coming on and taking that responsibility of getting the team over the line, they both picked that ring up themselves and ran with it. So really, really pleasing overall. I think, you know, we talk a lot about the detriment of this squad and the issues within this team, uh, and they are still there. They still remain. But I do think that Ranić is getting it right. You know, the record shows that they are. They're up there as one of the best performers in the Premier League since Ranić started. Uh, it's only really, I think, Manchester City that are, are better than them uh, over the points totals. And they need to keep doing this now. Keep moving forward. A big run of games now coming up. Champions League starts again. You've got to keep winning. This is what this business is about. United, I'm, I'm looking at the form guide now. I think Liverpool are kind of around there as well. But United have... This isn't all; these aren't all Ranjit's games, but obviously we all remember that day at Watford where 
Watford are coming up on Saturday. We'll, we'll talk about the Watford game, I'm sure, in Friday's episode a little bit as well um, with, with Mark Bosnich. <laughs> uh, just, uh, just a little reminder there. But they've only lost one of their last 14 games, United. Yeah. In the Premier yeah, League. That's which it. Which is, that's... Given, the, given how we talk about United and all the problems, so surprising. Yeah, look, people know that my catchphrase over the years has been don't get too high, don't get too low. And what I mean by that is that it's never really as bad as it seems. But sometimes when you're flying, it's also never really as good as it seems. So you've got to come to come from, a, a, I think, a, a point of moderation. So the points total tells us that Rannick is getting something right. So when the newspapers regurgitate you know, the negativity around the potential issues at Manchester United you've got to kind of take some of it with a pinch of salt. We'll address it, but that's how the team has to be. They have to go into Carrington, get themselves ready for games, and then go win games, and then you shut people up. So I think the points total is showing all the positivity of that, and that's what Ranik will be looking at. He's not going to be reading newspapers. He certainly isn't going to be reading Twitter. He's not watching our show, though he might do on Friday when we've got Mark Bosnich on. So, uh, you know, another little plug there. But I do think that... United, in terms of the trajectory for the rest of the season, it looks good now rather than, I think, when at the end of Ole, this is why you got rid of that manager because it felt like you'd hit a brick wall. Yeah, United were losing games and score uh, or conceding loads of goals. We all remember the Liverpool game at home, the Watford game with a shit four to one of the worst teams in the Premier League. No offence, uh, any Watford fans who are listening, but that, that is the case. Uh, a relegation candidate, struggler, whatever you want to say. He's tightened it up a bit. I think the the main reasons why the negativity kind of carries on around United's performances is the, is the manner of the games that they haven't won. You know, they've I think they've drawn five of the last fourteen, conceded from winning positions. Performances have fallen off towards the end of games, which does seem to be getting a little bit better over the last few games. And Rannick seems happier too. Yeah, look, I think if we were looking at this as well from a place of neutrality, so say we weren't Man United fans and our audience were not Manchester United supporters, then I think people would look at the kind of core facts and feel better about it. I think even in those games where United were drawing a few of those matches because from winning positions as well, I might add, then when you looked at the full game, their actual performances were pretty good. You know, they, they were actually hitting the target quite a lot. It just ball wasn't going in the net. So I said it as well recently that, you know, that game where we had two matches and we we uh, had 52 attempts on goal in two games. And I think we only scored once across those two matches. That's a kind of freak thing. If you're making chances, you, you normally the ball will go in the net more than once if you hit, you hit the target 52 times or at least you attempt to hit the target 52 times. It's not like Mourinho era where you might have three shots. And, and then after the game, we're analysing those three shots. So I, I think that the, the positivities are there for us to see. But again, as United supporters and United being a club of underachievement for such a long time, it just feels a lot worse. So that's why sometimes it is good to kind of take a step back and just smell the roses a little bit more. You know, the roses are there. Wait for them to bloom. It does take time and uh, you have to be patient. United have had this run of games where they haven't really played what you call a direct rival. I think the last game was probably Arsenal in Carrick's, Carrick's win at Old Trafford. Yeah. Um, Carrick's last game, the one before uh, Ranić took over, I think, properly. Uh, do you think it, Do you think United have kind of found themselves a little bit? And we'll obviously talk about the games that are coming up, you know, big away games in the coming weeks, and we'll do a bit on Atletico Madrid later in the show. But do you fear 
is there anything you kind of fear because United in these encounters with clubs who are kind of better than them or equal to them, they haven't performed that well this season. United have been playing decently, but against teams that they're expected to beat. So are you kind of fearful going into these games or how on a like holistic view, are you more optimistic that they could go to Anfield and get something or go to the Etihad and win? I think it's really difficult to say that they found themselves like that. I think would be foolhardy for us to kind of look at this this program of results and performances and say one hundred percent they've found themselves. But I do think they're in a much better position than when they lost those games to direct rivals earlier on in the season. So you, you mentioned the Liverpool game. I was there. Horrible day. Probably one of my worst days at Old Trafford in the history of supporting this football club. Uh, it was a nasty one uh, and it bruised. But I think that that actually adds to the mix. It adds spice. I think these boys will want to prove themselves at Anfield to show that they're not as bad as what they were. But of course, results don't lie in that period when you look at what was happening under Solskjaer. So that's the exact reason why you sack the manager, because you look at that that period and you go, well, we can't carry on like that. There's something fundamentally broken. But I think Ranić is doing the right stuff. So I think he will have a game plan to take on those coaches. I think he knows Klopp back to front, you know, stylistically as a two ex-Bundesliga coaches, someone that, that Jurgen Klopp looks up to incredibly. He's talked very favourably about Ranić. And it's about counter-press system versus counter-press system. Now, if it was just that, then I think Liverpool win just because they're better at it. you know. But I don't think the game will be about that. It will be more about the nuances. And if Man United's big players turn up, again, I don't think Bruno Fernandes and Ronaldo and Sancho think oh, I don't fancy these big games. They want these big games. It's actually the Watfords they don't want. They don't mm. want to go... They don't want a cold night against Burnley. They want the big games where they know billions of people are watching on television and, you know, they're the toast of the town. They know they can beat those teams in the run-in. That feel-good factor just suddenly explodes. And like so it's like a volcano, isn't it, with kind of the lava overflowing. If you get to that point, then you can really kick on. And that's why I'm not discounting the Champions League. Like We will talk about Atletico Madrid. You've got to get over that hurdle. But if you get through it in knockout football, you can get the feel-good factor. And suddenly you're in the last four and it's all to play for. A win in Madrid would do wonders for the confidence, wouldn't it, ahead of the games that are coming up. I know Atletico aren't in the greatest form themselves. You did touch on some key players there, Rob. Who's particularly stood out for you in the last few weeks? Because... There's a number of players who are starting to really show their best form. I think I know where you're going to go, but I'll let yeah, look, the most, you the play, go. Yeah, the player I'm most excited about, 100%, is Jadon Sancho. Why? Because he's about the present and the future of the football club. It's about uh, bringing in this guy who's going to be your future number seven, the guy that the team is based around. And to see things that he's doing now in year one, that he'll be able to do even more in year two, three, four, and four. So... That's the first bit, but it's just nice to see, Scott, how they're knitting together the major pieces. So I think Bruno Fernandes as well is showing better form now. And I think that's because he's got a little bit of a disconnect between him and Ronaldo. So I think earlier on in the season, it was all about, well, how do you fit Ronaldo into Bruno's Mm. team? And I think now it's more about how do you fit Bruno back into the bigger system? So that's working better. You can see that his attitude looks better. He's enjoying his football more. He's getting more goals and assists again. But I think the other player you have to talk about is Paul Pogba. So the the Pogba contract situation will roll on probably to the end of the season or at least close to it. Uh, and Man United have got to get his deal done. You know, forget about going in a transfer market. When you've got one of the best players in the world in your squad, keep him, pay him, 
give him the deal that will keep him in house because he'll get a Real Madrid, Scott. He'll get a Barcelona. He'll go back to Juventus. He'll go somewhere else, PSG, and he will be sensational. The most important thing is you keep him and then you build around him. And that's what you need to do. Uh, someone said as well on Twitter, again, I, I referenced social media. They went, isn't it crazy? We're in like year six of Paul Pogba and we're still talking about how do we build the team around him? I don't actually think that's Pogba's fault. I think that's Manchester United. Their recruitment Absolutely. has not been good enough and has not helped Paul Pogba win titles at Man United. Absolutely. It's just such a joy to watch him when he's, you know, doing his thing. He's had, I think it probably helps the fact that he's he has got um, players like Ronaldo and Sancho in there. So he's not actually the centre of attention at all times like he was in previous iterations of this United team under different managers. He was always expected to be the one who tackled and scored and assisted and covered the most ground and and done, done all of this kind of stuff. Like Ranić's found a way to, you know, since his reintroduction to just get the get the best out of him. And yeah. I was quite quite happy to see him like hooked after 60 minutes just to against Leeds. I know Fred came on for him and actually it did turn out to be a really good substitution because Fred scored, but preserving his fitness for games that are coming up. And you've got to be like that. And I think this is why Ranić is a good choice for Man United because he's experienced. So I, I think, again, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's downfall was that uh, he trusted a too small band of players and, and Pogba was part of that. And he ran a lot of them into the ground. He ran Marcus Rashford into the ground. You know, he, he ran Bruno Fernandes into the ground. But I don't think that, that uh, Ralph Ranić sees it like that. He's at Leeds. The pressure there is there, obviously, to go and win the football match, which they did. But he looked to his bench and he chose a young lad of Yantia Langer and he chose a worker to go and play as number eight. And it worked. So this is where managers earn their money, don't they? they kind of, they've got to make these things kind of mesh together. But I think with Paul Pogba, it's really important to preserve his health because he would have carried on and played 90 minutes there. But in that weather as well, you've got to look after players a little bit more. And sometimes you've got to pull a player. And there was plenty of Man United fans who were like shocked that he gets pulled after 67 minutes when he's by far the best player on the football pitch. But we need him for Atletico Madrid. And we need him for look every game now till the end of the season. If you're going to end up top four and maybe even win a trophy in the Champions League, it will come about because Paul Pogba stayed healthy and started football matches for you. Yeah, I just want to switch back to Jadon Sancho. What, what's different about him at the moment? Because it's, it's the confidence. It's the fact that he's willing to just take the ball. And we, we did identify him in the preview to Leeds, thinking mm-hmm. this game is going to be won in individual battles and little tweaks. You saw Victor Lindelof and Harry Maguire storm out of defence to kind of overload leads and this kind of stuff. But giving Sancho the ball and giving Pogba the ball and allowing them to beat their men was, you know, indicative of the confidence in a, in a sense that they both have at the moment. But Sancho in particular is looking like, do you think he's United's best player at the moment? I think so on form. There's no, there's no doubt in terms of when you look across the, again, the metrics and how he's operating, that he's being empowered to be Jadon Sancho. I think the issues for him at the start of the season were kind of normal ones. You move to a new football club, it's difficult. You move to Man United, it's really difficult. You know, it's not, it's the hardest place in the world to come and play football sometimes, especially when you're a star name. But I just think that the the differences between Solskjaer's outlet and the way that Ranić does things is night and day. And Ranić is telling uh, Jaden, do X, Y, and Z. And you, you can get the ball and run at players. You know, do this work behind the scenes. So you see, I think with Sancho, what I really like about him is that he does do the physical work. He does track back. He does fill in the channel. 
he's he doesn't shirk those responsibilities. They're going to think some of the narrative around players like Sancho and Pogba is that they are not workers. It's rubbish. Go and look at the metrics. They tell you that these boys run. And I think they pass the eye test as well. So I think for Sancho, he's enjoying his football. And that is so important. You know, uh, I, we have to have this disconnect in a football team, Scott, of the world being about Cristiano and can Cristiano score. It should be about can Man United win? That's what it has to be about. And then you look towards players like Jaden Sancho, Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba. I did want to ask about Ronaldo because you mentioned there um, a little bit earlier about Bruno and Ronaldo perhaps not having to be relied on to work together quite as much and Bruno's been more integrated into the team. Mm. Is that a Ronaldo's expense? What do you make of his performances lately? Because he's, you know, he scored against Brighton, but he missed a chance against Leeds, didn't score in that game. Do you think they're getting the best out of him or is it a case of just having him occupy that space to get the, the best out of Bruno and Sancho and Pogba and have Ronaldo as kind of the poacher in a sense. Well, this has to be about Man United winning games. That's the first port of call. How do you win football matches? What, what does the system do? What does the team do to win games? Now, if that's expense of Cristiano getting more shots off, so be it. It has to be like that. you know. And that's how Ralph Rangnick will be thinking. So you saw the other day with that brilliant goal that Cristiano scored, that in that moment of individualism, that he can take one or two touches, put it in the bottom corner. That's why he's at the football club. But him being at the football club doesn't necessarily help you win more. And we've seen this in recent results. So, you know, the Leeds game, he was probably one of the poorest players in a red shirt that day. But that's that's also the fact that he's just having to do some more of the work. And I don't think that he's not working. You know, I'm not going to stand here and kind of accuse Cristiano of not wanting it. He's certainly being more mobile. You know, I think, you know, early on in the season, I was saying about him standing in the centre circle, hands on hips and kind of going, well, you know, get me the ball when you're ready, but I'm just going to stand here for a bit. He's not doing that. He's definitely working the back line, but he's not very good at it. It's not his thing, is it? You know, like working a centre-back, we know that Cavani is much better at that than Cristiano. However, who do I want to finish the ball if I've got a chance? I want Cristiano over Cavani. So it, it's more of a case, I think, of finding a way for the full team. And we're seeing now that the major parts of that squad are performing because the world isn't about Cristiano Ronaldo. I was going to come on to... Uh a report about Mauricio Pochettino, but I think I'll switch this section. We'll maybe come to it at the end because I think there's a nice little tie in there because Cristiano Ronaldo has an excellent scoring record against Atletico Madrid and United mm. play Atletico Madrid in the Champions League on Wednesday at Wanda Metropolitano. Uh, it's a, like, we, like we've already mentioned in this video already, this, uh, this podcast. It is a big test for United in the sense of you know, Atletico aren't in the greatest form themselves, but it is a game where... They haven't really had one of these massive away days for a while now. And the previous fixtures that United have had, they haven't really played that well. And I think they got a result at Chelsea earlier this season. Like a draw, but they didn't play that well that day. And this is the first away game in a run of really, really difficult away games that United will have. But this is the Champions League. And it is their only chance of winning a trophy this season. So let's look ahead to this one now. What are you expecting from this? And how in, do you think United are just looking at it and thinking, this is our chance, we have to go all in for the Champions League? Yeah, look, I think when you go away from home and you're you're going to difficult places, it kind of plays into the Manchester United way, doesn't it? This is a football club that loves being the underdog, always has been, certainly during our lifetimes and beyond. 
I think when you look at how the team team set up, I think it helps for counter attacking. That means that Manchester United will enjoy it. You know, they'll want to get on the on the front foot through counter pressing. So that again is a Ranić tactic, a Ranić system. We're seeing those things work for Man United, and I don't think they're going to go there with any nerves. They won't be feared. These are top players. They know what their jobs are. It's just that I think if you went there and you were completely out of form, and so you were sliding down the Premier League, and you, you didn't have victories, systems looked like they were broken and fractured. You go into this game, you feel like you could get a whooping. But Atletico Madrid are the team that are worried. They're the team that are thinking, we don't really fancy Man United coming here. We don't really fancy this matchup. We're struggling in La Liga. We're struggling to make things work. It's not quite working for Suarez this year, not quite working for Griezmann overall. And it's not quite working for Diego Simeone. Obviously, there's a lot of talk that the form could lead to the end of his tenure in Madrid and potentially might end up in a cold, wet, stormy place in the northwest. Of of England, we'll see. Um, Stoke. So, Stoke potentially. You never know. Uh, <laughs> if he's if he's if he's happy to go to the Potteries, that would be a very that would be a big story. We'll do a full show on that. Um, but I do think that um, that United are not looking at this and feeling that they're not comfortable in their own skin. This is what they want. Ronaldo wants this. He knows he's going to step off that plane on the tarmac in Madrid, and every camera is going to be on him. And will he enjoy that? get the feeling he'll love it you can just see him puffing his chest out and singing yeah. along to the champions league theme when the when the cameras pan across the whole squad and the more the attention on cristiano the better i i want that i don't want the attention to be on jaden or or paul pogba or or bruno fernandez i do think that paul pogba goes into this game and if he is playing a little bit of shot window he's thinking where i am turning up in la liga in madrid if i turn on the style here and win a football match with my football club might just mean I put an extra zero on my wages next year. So there are those things I think with players where they do do they follow the narrative and sometimes it does help their form. I don't think Man United are going there with any kind of fear. How do you feel about it? Do you are you optimistic? Yeah, look, I, I I always work on logic. I just, I, you know, I can't help it as a football journalist. I look at these things. I try and look at them in logical terms. Uh, if United were logically playing bad football, then I would be like, well, this is not good. And I don't feel good about it. But they are playing pretty decent football. And even on the road, they look comfortable playing this counter-pressing style. I just think that Ranić needs to work out how not to burn his team out over 90 minutes so they can do the full job over that period. It's no good having a team that looks really good for an hour. And then for half an hour is vulnerable. And we've seen that with United. That's why you lose the game at home in the cup to Middlesbrough, because you get to, you get to extra time. Your players are dead. You get to, you get, you get to the penalty shootout. Your players are physically and mentally bereft. So it's up now to Ranić to find that solution. And I trust him. You know, I really do. I know he's only been at Manchester United for a short time. But the reason why I called for him to be interim boss beforehand when he wasn't even really on the shortlist was because this is the kind of manager he is. He fixes problems and he finds method. And I think we're seeing that method. And I think it's Simeone who needs to fear Manchester United rather than the other way around. I'm going to go off topic slightly, Rob. What's, what's your thoughts on the away goals rule being abolished? Because we'd be usually looking ahead to a tie like this thinking, if United can get a goal here and take it back to Old Trafford, that would be a big one. But away goals are now no longer on the table. I think it kind of takes away a little bit. But will this affect how United play? I don't know why football does this to itself. That like I know we have change and we need change in our sports. It's just the way the, you know, the, way of the world. 
but football just does this all the time, tweaking stuff that doesn't need to be tweaked. I love the away goals rule. Yes, of course, there is a kind of uh, an advantage to a club maybe in this in the second leg, et cetera, et cetera, the reasons why they've they've pulled this rule. But we've had this rule forever and it's great. It really helps. You know, so if Man United went there with a, and got a one-one draw, it kind of gives you that extra because you've you've got the away goal, isn't it? And of course we know that away goals don't mean anything. Um, so it changes the narrative a little bit. I do think that if United go there and get a goalless draw now, that gives you something more going into the next game because you'd bet on yourself to maybe outscore an opponent at Old Trafford um, over 90 minutes or beyond. But I don't know. I just wish that football didn't change these things. Look, we're seeing it in, in English football with VAR. VAR started to work and then English football, the PGMOL, said, oh, do you know what? Let's make it more physical again. So what we're seeing, we're seeing things that are fouls not getting pulled for fouls now by VAR because the directive is that it needs to be more physical. It's rubbish. Just just play the game to the rules and have a strong set of rules that means you get good football matches. Absolutely. I, I, as soon as they abolished that away goals rule, as soon as it came through or there were murmurs of it, I was just... It, it just makes European football that little bit extra special to me. But, you know, obviously... Maybe enough teams will go to away games and then not try and win or not try and score so that it changes UEFA's mind. But, you know, for the for the time being, at least, and for the years moving forward, it doesn't seem like we'll have it. Yeah, look, everyone wants a goalless, uh, wants a, a kind of goalless uh, scenario if you get a clean sheet. That's cool. But now you're right. Teams will be going away and not thinking about scoring. They'll play more low blocks. They'll soak it up a little bit more and they'll go away with nil-nil. So I think Man United will play full counter-attack against um, against Atletico and they'll try and soak up that pressure. They'll stay in shape a little bit more. But it's not going to say Man United won't try and win the game, but you will find plenty of football clubs that will go into football matches now like that and say, right, you know, we don't need to score in this game. So let's just sit and soak up and see what we can do. And you're going to have less goals as a result. United play Atletico Madrid on Wednesday night in the Champions League in Madrid, the return leg at Old Trafford in a few weeks' time. Big opportunity for United to progress in this competition against a team who are not in top form themselves in a league that, you know, is under strength in comparison to recent years. So, you know, fingers crossed for United win. If you're listening, uh, let us know on social what you think the score will be. You can find us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob, underscore B, and at Promiseland MU on Twitter and drop a comment in the YouTube stream uh, and underneath the video. Remember to subscribe there as well. Uh, let's look forward a little bit further, Rob, uh, than Wednesday night and this season, really, because I want to talk about Mauricio Pochettino. We, it seems like we always do talk about the, the future of the manager, but it is the biggest question hanging over United at the moment about what they will do in the next few months. Uh, PSG at the weekend... You know, I think they got <laughs> they got taught a lesson in football sense. Uh, big, big defeat for them. Uh, it's not all going well there for Pochettino, even though PSG are top of the league. And there's, there's suggestions as well coming out of Spain over the last few days that Real Madrid are not too happy with Carlo Ancelotti. Obviously, they went to PSG last week and put in that that negative performance, which was criticised round the clock. Uh, you know, for a few days afterwards. PSG came out with a late winner through Mbappe, but maybe all is not happy there at Madrid. I think they they plucked Ancelotti out of Everton, but it does seem it, we all know Real Madrid. They will sack a manager like that, uh, and they've wanted Pochettino for a while, probably as long as United have. But I think there's always been that 
issue of he's not won anything. Can Madrid go and get him uh, hanging over him, hanging over them, and maybe stopping them from doing it? But if he does win league on this season, which providing he sees out the season, <laughs> uh, you expect him to do. But Real Madrid could rival United for Pochettino. So according to recent reports. So what do you make of this, Rob? And your position on Pochettino at the moment, how do you feel about it? Because I'm looking at it now and I'm thinking the more Ralph is kind of getting things right at United, it doesn't seem like Ralph and Poch, to me, can work. Is that is that too much of a stretch? Well, look, the grass is always greener, isn't it? So those fans who want Pochettino, no matter what, will want Pochettino. It's just the way it is. I think when you look at the rumour itself with him and Real Madrid, I'm not so sure about the credibility of it and the depth. Why is that? Well, Pochettino's got big connections to Catalonia and big connections to Espanyol and has said before that Real Madrid is something that just wouldn't interest him because of that rivalry between, obviously, the mother state of Spain and the power circle in Madrid versus the the Catalan philosophy and that's something that he's he's always been invested in so there is that I think when it comes to Pochettino and you just talked about Ralph Ranić, uh, I will keep being this repetitive scratch record about management if you've got a manager that's working out now I'm talking about Ralph Ranić, and you're seeing progress and you're seeing a team being built over these six months that he's at the football club why on earth would you end that to just go and bring in someone else Now, if you're bringing in Guardiola, great. If you're bringing in Klopp, great. Is Pochettino really in their class? No, No, I don't think so. (laughs) I I, I don't think that, you know, I I don't use trophies as a barometer for anything. I think it's a a kind of a broken method of saying, is a coach a good coach? But I do think that when you look at, at what happened with him when he was in England and how he left his job at Tottenham and where he's been ever since... Is he the perfect candidate? I've always said, no, he's not the perfect candidate. He can build football clubs. He's proved it before. But I'm, I'm a little bit like yourself. And I think that a lot of United fans are turning that way. That if you're seeing things that are good now, why would you just throw that under the bus just to go and get the name? Because then you're back to square one, aren't you? You're rebuilding again. So there's nothing to say that if Pochettino came to Manchester United, that Manchester United would be title contenders in one or two years. There is nothing to say that. That is not to say that he is a bad coach. It's just about what you do and your own methodology about how you build your football club. Ralph Rannick is 60, 61 years old. He's not old. He's experienced. He knows what he's doing. And I think we're seeing that with this team. You know, the players are buying in to what he's doing. But wouldn't it just be so Manchester United to like have some success at the end of this season and then burn it all and start again? Because, you know, th- th- this, this is the kind of contradiction that is Manchester United. So I know fans are like that. It's very easy to be flippant, isn't it? And just say, I want the guy I like. I want Ten Hag. I want Pochettino. You can do that to your blue in the face if you're sat on Twitter doing a few tweets as a football fan. But if you're a business and you're structured and you're trying to get to somewhere, you've already got a really, really good coach. Why don't you stick with him for a bit? And maybe Pochettino in the future might be a replacement for Ranić if it doesn't work out. Do you think that the Ranić option is one that United will even consider? Because I don't actually personally see it happening. Um, And if Ranić does move into the consultancy role, uh, you know, I think you've, you've said over the last few weeks that you don't actually see it happen, but you would 
like it to happen. Do you think Ranjit's going to lean toward a Ten Hag if he's going to get that consultancy role? I think one of the most important things that Ralph has said himself is that if he gets to the end of the season and feels that he's making waves, he will recommend to the Manchester United board that he should get the job. And, and, and I kind of think that that's quite clever. It's a clever way of saying, right, I've been in the football club now for six months. I've seen what your problems are and I can fix them. Give me the job. Because he still has aspirations as a coach. I don't think he's going to do this for six months and then go, oh, I really hated that and I didn't want to do it. He might well do if obviously results go south. But I do think that he's a prospective manager and that the board will consider him. I just think for the board and the way that they operate again at Man United being a contradiction of themselves is that they will want to play the game. They will want to go, look, we went and got PSG's boss because we are Manchester United, flex that muscle and all of that. They love doing that. That's what, what they're about, unfortunately. I know it's our football club, but we can be honest about how we operate. Is, so that I, still, is, is this still Manchester United or is, is there a new... Manchester United. I, I think Richard Arnold needs to prove himself that he's not Edward Wood. So I think from on this this standing that the board themselves, look, look, the board are like 15 people. So you've only replaced one of them. That's all it is. So the board are still the board. They still have the same mindset. Their main goal is to make money and to make the business as viable as possible. You know, we're in COVID times. They're more focused now on the financial offer than they've ever been before. So that is always a worry. But I think when you choose your next manager, there's half of it is politics Half of it is spin. And then in the background there, it's about fluffing the audience, fluffing the Manchester United supporter base. And there's no doubt that Ralph Rannick being the manager next year would be the least popular choice. It would be. But if you're doing it from a football perspective, then you might keep him. You know, you would consider it. So I think that, you know, I don't think Murto has all the encompassing power at Man United to make that choice. But it would be up to him and Rannick to put that to Arnold and the board and say, no, do you know what? We feel like we're building something here. So we're going to ask you to overlook your top two candidates for the job in Pochettino and Ten Hag. Those two guys are not Guardiola's. You're not bringing in someone who is a surefire winner who's going to make it right. You're going to have to rip up a lot of what you're doing to help them. Are Man United prepared to do that? I'm not so sure. Absolutely. If there was a Pep or a, a Klopp on the market, unfortunately, they do work for two of United's biggest rivals, but they did manage to pull the trigger and get them both in. Uh, but just to United... add one more thing. So just to oh. jump in there, Scott, sorry. The, 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 there is one man out there, and we just mentioned him, who might well be on the market or might be looking for a job. And I think that if you look at someone like Diego Simeone, he does not fit Manchester United stylistically or what fans want to see, but he absolutely fits what the board want as a manager. They want someone who's strong, who'll go and make those choices and kind of mould the club in their image. That's what Solskjaer was ta tasked to do. Make it more Man United, Ole. That's what they told him. You know, make it more about, you know, the, the history of the football club. Diego Simeone would come in and he'd immediately put down that hard line. He would get rid of players that were weak. He would bring in players that were strong. And Man United would become this kind of battling entity. And he's proved himself for well over a decade as a coach. So that's much longer than Ten Hag and Pochettino. So if he's the kind of wild card that I could see United going for. So we're talking about three managers here. I think the extra one we must start talking about soon is Diego Simeone, because if he does leave Atletico, the time to come to the Premier League is now. And he knows that, his representatives know that, and we hear the whispers from Spain that he would like that kind of challenge. Diego Simeone will get a close-up look of Manchester United this week. Uh, we'll wrap up the pod now, Rob, because I think we've done all of our talking. But we are 
back on Friday uh, with a special guest, uh, former Man United goalkeeper and Premier League winner Mark Bosnich, as a reminder. And you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, etc., etc. And obviously we're on twice a week now on Tuesdays and Fridays again, Friday. Mark Bosnich is on the show. Uh, so head over to our brand new YouTube channel, hit the like button, subscribe, join the community, turn on the notification bell and that kind of stuff to make sure you never miss an episode. And the link should be in the description of this show if you're listening on audio. But Rob, thanks very much for the show today. It's always good to chat to you about Manchester United. And it's a little bit nicer, actually, to do it in a positive moment for United. Uh, so fingers crossed United can keep that going on Wednesday night. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you soon. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.